Welcome to the Sadler Lectures podcast. Responding to popular demand, I'm converting my philosophy videos into sound files you can listen to anywhere you can take an MP3. If you like what you hear and want to support my work, go to patreon.com sadler. I hope you enjoy this lecture. Early on in book three of his work on anger, Seneca is going to make an argument to us, his readers, that anger is not only a vice and a bad vice, but the worst of all of the vices. And this is a pretty strong statement on his part. And so he's going to make an argument by raising all sorts of points, many of which are comparisons between anger and the other vices, sort of heaping up evidence for the claim that he wants to make. And you might say, well, why is he doing this? What is the point? of making an argument like this. Well, there's a certain rhetorical force to saying that this is a incredibly serious matter, one that we need to address and root out entirely, which is part of the point that he wants to make. And chapter one and chapter two are not the only places where he's going to say that anger is indeed, you know, the worst, but a lot of arguments are concentrated there. So we're going to focus just on those arguments that he's providing. And we'll see there are already quite a lot. And he begins by saying, uh, after talking about how we need to address anger in different people in different ways, he says, all other passions tolerate being put off and are to be treated slowly. But anger's violence, and he uses the word violentia there, right? So this impetus that it has, once it has been aroused in Kita and is hurrying along, is speeding along, it doesn't progress little by little, but instead it is present as a complete phenomenon or, you know, to use the Latin word tota there, which means whole as a totality. Once you get angry, once you actually proceed to the point where you're out of control, you are as angry as you can be. And so he, he goes on and he says, here's another consideration. It doesn't just trouble our minds in the ways of other vices, right? The other vices will make us think about things and tempt us and all that. But anger actually, as he says, leads the mind astray, abducit. So this is from ducere to lead, right? And ab means away, away from what we should be focusing on. And then it drives them ex agitat. What does it drive people into? It leads them astray, drives them on when they lack self-control and are eager even for an evil in which all will share. So there's something about anger that's different than the other vices. And we could stop and reflect on this for a moment. You know, he's going to talk later about lust and greed and ambition, right? So ambition isn't ambition that everybody in some way benefit or suffer. It's for me, right? Same thing with lust. If I'm filled with lust, I'm not like, I'm going to go have sex with that person. And I want you to feel that way too. Anger tends to spread itself out in different ways, right? And he goes on with that and he says, how does it lead us astray? It rages not only against targets it's marked out, the people that we're actually angry at, but against whatever gets in its way. 
A person once angry will easily turn that anger on somebody who's defending the other person, who's even saying, hey man, calm down. One of the best ways to get an angry person to turn their ire at you is to tell them that, right? So that's, that's an interesting secondary argument. He also contrasts anger against the other vices in terms of, we could call it, its ability to be recalled. He says, all the other vices give our minds a shove, right? They push us in a certain direction. Anger pitches them headlong. So this is a difference we could say not in absolute kind, but in intensity. He says, even if it's not possible to resist one's passions, at least the passions themselves may come to a standstill. Uh, you know, is that the case with all the passions? Uh, if we think about this, maybe that's not a great argument. Greed doesn't seem to have any bounds. Maybe ambition doesn't either, but lust certainly does. You feel sexual desire. You go and have sex. Now you're, for a little while at least, you're not so interested in it. The, the vices come to an end. Same with gluttony or other things we could say. But anger, once you actually slide into it, there's no coming back, Seneca is saying. He says, he's got this great example. This one accelerates anger, just like lightning bolts and storm gusts and anything that can't be called back because they don't just move, they plunge. So earlier on, he actually talked about, you know, this metaphor of jumping off a cliff. Before you actually jump, well, you got a choice, right? You may have somebody pushing you, like the anger, but if you don't jump, you're good. But once you jump, you can't say, you know, halfway down, you know, I don't think this is a great idea. I think I'd like to go back up there. No, it's, it's, it's on its way. So Seneca sees this as something distinctive to anger. He goes on and he's got this interesting quip, which we also need to think through a little bit. The other vices rebel against, or they, they're disobedient to, they incline away from, disinit, reason, rationi, right? Anger goes against reason, but it also goes against, as Seneca is going to say, sanity. And you can say, what's the difference here? If you're irrational, aren't you insane? Well, maybe you have to have more to actually be insane. Remember, Seneca defines anger very early on in the text as a brief madness. But I think that we should see this not just in terms of mental processes, but we could also think about it in a more global sense in terms of the mind mind and body together, anger rebels against the health, sanitate, of the mind and the body, both of them together, right? So now, is that a good argument? I mean, we could say that gluttony also rebels, you know, it makes the stomach larger and capable of absorbing more food and maybe lust does things and so does ambition. But uh, this is an argument that Seneca is making. He's going to shore this up by saying others, other vices approach gently and increase without our noticing, but in anger, our minds are hurled straight down. And so no passion is more stunning in its force, eager to follow its own violent course, arrogant in success, crazed when frustrated. So, you know, those might be sub considerations for why we should think that anger rebels not only against reason, but also against sanity as well. And then he's got a very interesting observation. This brings chapter one to a close. So anger, unlike the other vices, when it's beaten back by perhaps ourselves or good counselors or other people, even when it's beaten back, it doesn't say enough is enough. When the adversary had the good luck to get away, 
it turns to biting itself. Now, this is a trope that we do see other theorists of anger talking about, that anger can be turned against its own very self, right? In this case, Seneca talks about it as biting. That's a characteristic word associated with anger as a metaphor. And this is not the case of anger being directed against itself so as to rein it in. It's rather that it's so frustrated that it cannot reach its targets that it turns inward on the person who feels it. And, you know, the anger wounds itself. It tears itself. It lacerates itself. So this is a very common trope that we see discussed quite a bit in later literature. So these are a bunch of considerations that he sort of like listing off one after the other. And then in chapter two, he's going to bring up two other really important considerations. Again, why anger is worse than the other vices and indeed is the worst of the vices. So another has to do with its extent. And by that, we can mean not just how far anger will go, but who can feel it. So, you know, he's going to say not every other vice is necessarily felt by other people. So he gives some examples, right? Some nations, thanks to the boon of poverty, don't know luxury. Some, because they're nomads ever on the move, don't know laziness. Others with an uncivilized and rustic way of life don't know trickery and deceit or any of the evils the forum breeds. So, you know, that's good. I mean, it's not good that they live, say, in poverty, right? Or that they don't know much about human beings, but that does at least keep them from feeling certain uh, emotions and falling into certain vices. Everybody can be angry, according to Seneca. There is no exemption for, as he says, stages of life, meaning being young, being old, being somewhere in the middle. No exemption for class of people. And we might think social class in that case, the, the poor, the rich. But he also is going to contrast men and women, right? And others as, as well when he gets to how anger can be shared, right? The foremost and the mob, the people who are at the top, the people who are at the bottom. Anybody can get angry. So nobody is free of it. And that's another reason we need to be, you know, more careful about it. And so is this an argument for being the worst? It's not worst in the same sense that these are, but it is worse than the other vices in that it can grip anybody, no matter what their condition is. Unless, of course, their condition is having worked on their anger and gotten it in check. The other thing that he brings up is very interesting. It involves something, a psychological dynamic that we have come to call later on emotional contagion. And Seneca is trying to argue that the only emotion that we have this social contagion in a very broad sense going on with is anger. And he's not just talking about a crowd. He's talking about an entire populace of people. So he says that whereas other vices seize upon individuals, right? Human beings as particular human beings. This is the one passion that a whole populace sometimes contracts or literally that grips concipitur an entire people, publique, right? A mass of people. And he goes on and he says, an entire people, here's some contrast, has never burned with love for a woman, right? So lust, we feel this individually, right? We could feel it in a group, I suppose, particularly with parasocial relationships, but it's still not something that we're all acting on together. 
greed, right? He says that nor has an entire community placed all its hopes on money or gain. And again, we could say, well, I mean, there's communities that are pretty greed focused, but it's not the entirety of a community. And he says ambition seizes individuals one at a time. Loss of self-control is not an evil shared out among a whole people, but... A whole people has often, not just once in a while, often become angry en masse. And here we go back to the everybody can get angry. Men and women, old and young, the foremost in the mob, come to share a single thought and the whole multitude, whipped up by a word or two, outstrips the agitator himself. Straight away, they scatter to seize torches and declare war on their neighbors or wage it amongst themselves. Once again, we see that the anger can not only be directed at uh, an external object, but even within, right? And so he gives some examples. Whole houses are incinerated along with their households. A man who is highly honored for eloquence becomes the victim of the anger his own harangue has aroused. Legions turn their spears on their own commander, you know, and he goes on and on. We don't need to necessarily go over all of these cases because we can think about similar cases in our own time where a entire group of people have been motivated by anger and that anger once aroused needs to find targets might not be satisfied with destroying the person that they go after or the people that they go after at the start. And it may even like lead to anger within the group as well. So this is a reason uh, that Seneca argues anger is worse than the other vices. To bring this to a close, Seneca is drawing very, very stark contrast between anger and other vices. Do we have to buy the entire claims argument that is being made? Or could we say, you know, there's something to this. Maybe anger isn't as completely different from the other vices as Seneca is rhetorically arguing at this point, but it certainly is more problematic, right? And perhaps the most problematic of the different vices for these reasons, because it does this sort of stuff more often, like the emotional contagion or the turning on itself when beaten back or any any of these other matters. But this is why Seneca himself is claiming that anger is the worst of all of the vices that we can think of and fall prey to. Special thanks to all of my Patreon supporters for making this podcast possible. You can find me on Twitter at Philosopher70, on YouTube at the Gregory B. Sadler channel, and on Facebook on the Gregory B. Sadler page. Once again, to support my work, go to patreon.com slash sadler. Above all, keep studying these great philosophical works.